Welcome to the Foundation for Science and Technology podcast. I'm Gavin Costigan and this month we're talking all about batteries and battery technologies. Uh, and with me today is Dr. Graham Purdy, Chief Executive of the company Illica. Graham, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gavin. Before we dive into the technology behind batteries, and um, perhaps for those who are less familiar, you could say a little bit about Illica and what it does and how it's uh, been formed. Thank you. Uh, Ilica is a specialist in solid-state batteries, and we are headquartered here in Southampton in the UK. And uh, we are really um, viewed as a, a pioneer in the development of liquid electrolyte-free lithium-ion cells. We talk about batteries and the battery challenge and these words are bandied around a little bit uh, within government and in the industrial strategy. One thing that's uh, from the outside not immediately clear is why we need a next generation of batteries. What are the characteristics um, of new batteries that we need that we don't get from existing batteries? Well that's a good question and actually I would say that the battery industry is really being driven by the automotive industry at the moment there is a very strong desire to decarbonize our modes of transport and in order to achieve that that needs the deployment of electricity as uh, a source of energy and the best way really to uh, to store that electricity in a vehicle is to use uh, lithium-ion technology you know some of the early uh, developments in electric vehicles have used cons- consumer electronics style batteries. Actually, the you know the Tesla famously took uh, a very standard lithium-ion cell and put thousands of them together to form battery packs, which uh, had to be cooled to stop them blowing up. And they've been used very effectively, actually, in electric vehicles and, you know, have taken away range anxiety for uh, those particular models. But going forward, there's a desire to radically increase the amount of energy that's stored in a given volume or weight of battery. Mm -hmm. Also to have batteries that charge more rapidly so that you can, you know, enjoy the same sort of experience that you have at a a filling station right now and that you can turn up and you can, you know, hopefully charge your electric vehicle in a comparable amount of time that it takes to refuel your car. And also, actually, that you can do that safely. There have been a few vehicle fires with uh, lithium-ion cells. And, you know, going forward, you want to make sure that actually you have as safe a technology as possible. Okay, so we've got three issues there. We've got weight, we've got speed of charging, and we've got overall safety. So if that's the end desire, what are the uh, technical challenges to get there? What, how do we have to change existing batteries? Yeah, so you know, a lot of these, um, these changes can actually be brought about by changing the way that the lithium ions move from one side of the cell to the other. And by that, uh, what I mean is by changing the liquid electrolyte, which is the medium through which these lithium ions move when you charge and discharge the cell, if you change that for a solid electrolyte, which is an ionically conducting but electrically insulating medium. And that's why there's so much excitement about the sector, really, Mm -hmm. is, you know, can that be achieved? 
Are there any downsides to using solid-state electrolytes? You know, what are the, the technical barriers to overcome in order to implement that? Those are the characteristics you've described specifically for electric vehicles and the automotive industry. One of the other areas that people talk about for new generation batteries is for storage for electricity generation. Yes. Are the same issues around there or is it a different set of parameters? Different things become um, important when you're talking about uh, off-grid storage of electricity in uh, wind farms, perhaps in, in remote locations or for big PV stations where you want to um, store that energy and use it at a time when the grid demand is there. You know, it's not so important to have a compact battery when you've got plenty of space outside and you're looking at stationary storage because clearly putting a battery in the middle of a field isn't really space constrained. What's really important actually for that type of deployment is that the batteries last a long time mm-hmm. i.e. you can cycle them many times before they start to fail yeah and also that they're cheap because you know the amount of energy that you would want to store from a, a wind farm or, or from a big uh, solar farm is, is far more than you need for an individual car and because you're not moving that energy store around like you were in a car uh, you're not really worried about you know how much it weighs etc The UK government has introduced the Faraday Battery Challenge, Mm. um, which under the auspices of the UK Industrial Strategy, uh, and it's all within the area of that strategy to do with clean growth. What is the role of government in this area? Is it primarily as a funder? Is it a regulator? How do you see that playing out? Well, you know, one of the very strong drivers for innovation in uh, the automotive industry right now is carbon emission regulation. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a, a similar sort of regulatory driven uptake of new technology that we saw in the 1980s when um, regulation was put in place to reduce exhaust emissions for vehicles and catalytic converters were installed in vehicles. So it's a technology development opportunity, but you know, it's at the same time, it's very disruptive for industry. So you know, in this country, we have done very well manufacturing diesel and petrol engines. Yeah. Um, you know, major contribution to the manufacturing sector and actually to our export industry, and to suddenly come in and uh, regulate that the number of diesel engines and petrol engines that will be sold uh, as a percentage of uh, total vehicle fleet is going to reduce and you need to replace that with uh, an electric drivetrain, you need to put a framework in place that allows industry to adapt. And that's one of the advantages of a fund like the Faraday Battery Challenge, is that it stimulates industry to work together with the knowledge base in Mm -hmm. this country. Uh, in order to come up with new technologies rapidly mm-hmm. and it catalyzes interactions between the various players to ensure that that technology is developed as, as rapidly and as efficiently as possible. So talking about those kind of projects and working together with the research base, Ilica I know is involved in, an, in a number of these projects. Maybe you could say a little bit about those projects but also how you manage to find and work with the right colleagues within universities in the UK. Mm. 
Yeah, so the, the Faraday Battery Challenge has been managed as a series of Innovate UK competitions. Uh, there have been three rounds so far, and in each of these rounds, grant funding has been made available to industry and academia to interact and come up with project-based solutions to some of the battery challenges uh, facing society. So we've been fortunate enough to have attracted about £5 million of grant funding at Illica, and that is split between three projects. The first one being with uh, Ricardo and Honda UK, and also working together with the CPI, which is the Centre for Process Innovation, uh, which is one of the catapults here in the UK, and finally UCL uh, up in London. And the whole thrust of that project is to develop battery packs that can be rapidly charged, so effectively uh, recharging electric vehicles sub-20 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, we've brought together people from let's call it the, the knowledge base in this country, CPI, UCL, with specific expertise that is useful in the context of that project. So CPI uh, are bringing their ink formulation expertise to bear, and UCL has got some interesting technology around being able to make some of the materials that we're putting into the batteries in a cost-efficient, innovative, continuous flow process. Ricardo's giving us lots of advice on how to design the modules and put together the packs. And then Honda, of course, is an end user. And the idea actually is that you would take the battery platform that we develop as part of that program mm -hmm. and drop it into a, uh, a Honda electric vehicle that's been designed with traditional lithium-ion cells uh, in the first instance. And how far away from commercial deployment are these technologies that you're developing? Well, so solid-state batteries probably expected to be mainstream by about 2025, mm -hmm. but early adoption of the technology is expected to be uh, within the next two years. In fact, Toyota have publicly said that um, they expect to have some solid-state battery-powered vehicles for use at the Olympics next year in Tokyo. Okay. So uh, 2020 in that case. I would say Toyota's been one of the pioneers in the sector. Um, actually, we worked together with them as early as 10 years ago on developing solid-state electrolytes that could be dropped into lithium-ion cells and, and start to, to deliver some of the benefits we talked about earlier. And if you were to sketch out the next 5 to 10 years and sort of see how the development of solid-state batteries and other related technologies goes, and how then that starts to be deployed. How does, how does the UK look different? How does the world look different uh, with this technology? Well, you know, the market is driving pretty aggressively towards lower-cost batteries. You know, some of the, the cells that are available right now uh, are touching the, the $100 per kilowatt-hour, and you know the, there are targets to reduce that by as much as a half, mm -hmm. so down to $50 per kilowatt hour. Energy density is expected to double, so you'll get batteries that can last twice as long or are half the size that they currently are. 
ones that are safe, ones that also last longer, so maybe 10 years instead of, uh, say, five years yeah. current battery life. The UK, I think, has a very strong knowledge base. So, you know, the universities in the UK are second to none in the world. You know, some very strong research groups, as you might expect, knowing that the UK has got a relatively modestly sized manufacturing sector yes. relative to the rest of the economy. Uh, other countries are definitely ahead when it comes to manufacturing battery technology. In fact, the world leaders actually are China, Korea and Japan. So the vast majority of the world's cells are made uh, in those three countries. And, uh, you know, part of the, the battery, uh, the, the Faraday uh, battery challenge is actually to introduce battery and, and cell manufacturing into the UK supply chain through the Battery Industrialization Centre, or the BIC. Um, but that's a scale-up opportunity for companies like Ilica, who are developing a new technology that could be manufactured, at least at, um, at initial scales, uh, in a facility in this country. One other question that sometimes comes up when people talk about batteries is actual resources to fit into those batteries and whether the planet simply doesn't have enough of the different elements we need. Does that mean that we need to change the way that we're building batteries and and the things that we're putting into them? Yeah, well, you know, lithium is one of the most abundant elements in the Earth's crust, so actually there is a lot of it about. Um, You do get spikes in lithium price but that's mainly because of the available mines and resources that can be deployed in order to satisfy market demand. So, you know, usually it's a case of short-term supply and demand rather than long-term availability. But it is true to say that other technologies would ease that supply and demand balance For instance, people have been looking at sodium-based technologies and also magnesium batteries, uh, although it's fair to say that they are at a far lower technology readiness level than lithium-ion alternatives. Fantastic. Graham, thank you very much for your time and uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Gavin. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to the podcast from the Foundation for Science and Technology. You can find all our podcasts on soundcloud.com or on the Foundation's website at www.foundation.org.uk.